Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger Basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast, the first of 2023. I'm Mark Giannato, the Commercial Appeals Sports Columnist. I'm joined, as always, by our Tiger Basketball beat writer, Jason Munns. We come to you uh, after, in the midst of a, a off week, if you will, for the Tigers after they start conference play with a win over USF in the return of Tyler Harris to Memphis, and then a loss at Tulane on New Year's Day. Uh, they play ECU this weekend, Saturday, at FedEx Forum. Um, a lot to break down, because uh, we haven't ha- done one of these in, in a little bit, um, and uh, it feels like we're doing we're doing this podcast, this episode, right as we kind of reach, uh, the way I phrased it in my column over at commercialpill.com, kind of an, an inflection point. Uh, the Tigers are 11 and four right now, um, still bracketed, if you will, to be a tournament team by the bracketologists. But it does feel like the loss to Tulane has given people some pause, uh, particularly after it came on the heels of a close call against a not great USF team at home. So, Jason, let's start here. Um What's your level of concern about this Memphis basketball team coming off that Tulane loss? Oh, let's see. On a scale of one to ten? Mm-hmm. Maybe a five? I, okay. I think, yeah, like, I mean, honestly, nothing about, and I think you kind of hit, hit the nail on the head in your column that, you, that, that just published. There's not really anything that happened in the game against Tulane that was like overly revelatory or like suddenly out of the blue. Memphis has had problems uh, rebounding the ball. Memphis has had problem, has already had problems defending the three point shot. Memphis has already had, or, you know, not all, not, not all year, but like in the last four or five games, they've struggled stopping the other team from scoring points, a lot of points. You know, like they gave up a bunch of points to South Florida. They gave up a bunch of points to Alabama uh, uh, a few games ago. So, like, there wasn't anything about that particular game against Tulane that just, you know, I, that that I thought was was, you know, worth going. Like, well, where did this come from? You know, like that. Like, like these are these are sort of things that we've been seeing. Um, over the course of the last, you know, here, here and there and, and, you know, somewhat recently. So, um, I, I'm probably, you know, maybe a little bit more concerned, quote unquote, concerned 
just because it came against Tulane. Although, you know, I could also argue the other side of it. Tulane is, uh, was supposed to be pretty good coming into this season. They had all four of their top, they had, they had top scorers coming back from, um, you know, they're old too, just like Memphis is. Um, and, and, and three of those, uh, four guys that they returned from last season, uh, were all conference selections last season. Um, mm-hmm. They, they, had they hadn't been, they hadn't been healthy this year. Like that was right. part of why they have not played that well is that they dealt with injuries during non-conference play. Well, and you could say, okay, well, all that's great, but they held their number one scorer to just five points. They, you know, Tulane was dealing with an immense amount of foul trouble. All that's true, but it does. What is also true is that Tulane is supposed to be much better than they've been this season. So the fact that they were really good against Memphis isn't that overly alarming. It just isn't to me. Um, you know, like we've you you said this, uh, and and you know we we both actually predicted that Memphis would probably lose a game or two in the conference, most likely on the road at some point uh, to a team not named Houston. So like, yeah, it's, it's, it is, it does feel worse considering how hard they had to fight at home to beat South Florida. Who's not supposed to be very good this year really isn't, hasn't been very good this year. Um, I think that's probably the thing that's really got people kind of more scared than anything is that we're, we're, you know, the Tigers are kind of, they, they appear to be in a bit of a lull here. Uh, and, and I, so I think that's really what's got people, um, more alarmed than anything else. Um, I'm just not quite ready to, to, to get there yet. Now, you know, another loss, I'll probably feel a little bit differently. Yeah, no, I think it's, well, here's what I would say. I, I suspect my prediction is that Tulane team they lost to is going to finish in the top half of the AAC. And that loss is not going to really matter come Selection Sunday. Already, they've moved up to number 135 in the net, which means it's technically a quad two loss. It's not even considered a quad three loss anymore uh, against Tulane. And I suspect if they do what I think they're going to do in AAC play, which is finish, you know, fourth, fifth, or sixth, in AAC play, bet you they're probably in like the 80s by the time, or like the 90s by the time the season ends. Maybe like the hunt, but like it's going to be a quad two loss. So like, I just think that loss is not going to matter in terms of I should I should put this caveat in there. In terms of whether if Memphis doesn't make the NCAA tournament, it's going to be because they lost a bunch of other games, not because they lost that game to Tulane. Um, now, if we're talking about seeding, and that's something Penny Hardaway said at the beginning of the year, it's why he put together the non-conference schedule that he did, is that he didn't want to be an eight seed, you know, like he was last year. He wants a better seed. Now, now I think you've you've with this loss, especially as early as it was in conference play, you know, you've certainly narrowed your margin for error in that regard uh, moving yeah. forward. Um, now I can see the other, I don't think people who are worried are unjustified in the sense that, 
you know, if, if you're struggling to beat USF at home and can't beat Tulane on the road, it would suggest that the rest of conference play is going to be, you know, it's going to involve more close calls. Um, I don't think that is, I don't think that is wrong necessarily. Um, I guess my pushback has been, I, I, one loss is not going to change that. I, I kind of believe in this team. I think they're pretty good. I think they're the second best team in the league. Um, and I think they're going to fit. I don't know if they're going to be an elite defensive team, like a couple years ago when they finished number one in adjusted defensive efficiency. But I do think given the, um, I do think given the, if you look at it, the relative lack of offense within the AAC, I think they'll be able to fix the defense enough. And I think, you know, something that should be noted, I know Penny, when you asked him about it, Jason kind of said, it's not an excuse, but if you really look at it, the defense has really crumbled a bit since Malcolm Dandridge left the lineup. Um, You know, they gave up, he, he got hurt in the beginning in, you know, sort of seven, eight minutes into the second half against Alabama and they gave up 55 points in the second half to Alabama. Then uh, they gave up uh, 79 points to Alabama, including um, a 43-point half in the second half of that one. Um, then they had the game against Alabama State that's kind of whatever, and then they give up 86 to USF, and they give up uh, 93 to Tulane. And so I do think, one, if they can get Malcolm Dandridge back sooner rather than later, that'll help as well. Um, but I, I, I suspect Penny will be able to get this defense to perform at a level where they're, you know, a level where they can be highly successful against most of the AAC would be my guess. Um, that's what I would say. Yeah. I mean, like, let me just kind of, uh, piggyback off what you said a second ago, like nothing about what I was saying before is me uh, absolving Memphis of uh, of their issues because um, they, they definitely the Tigers have issues. You know, uh, as you mentioned, as we've talked about, the defense is not playing very well right now. Um, and and part of that, a big part of that, is that is their apparent inability or or their relative inability to defend without fouling a ton. Uh, like that's a problem. And, and, you know, it's Mm -hmm. highlighted by, it's highlighted by Deandre Williams and his, his struggles to, uh, to, to, you know, like stay out of foul trouble. I mean, he's, he has now fouled out nine times in his collegiate career and in the two plus seasons that he's played, um, at Memphis and the Tigers are now four and five in those games that he fouls out of. And so like, you know, there's, there's tangible, there, there's something like four, seven and 11 in games where he plays and does not foul out. So there is tangible evidence uh, right there in front of you that, you know, that there's a problem. And if you just fix that problem, um, you, you'll be much better off. Uh, or, or the odds are pretty good that you'll be much better off. So, but again, their their seemingly uh, their their relative inability to defend without fouling is a big issue. Um, and and 
you know, the rebounding uh, from time to time is is a is a is a big struggle. And so, you know, when I think I, mean, I think that's exacerbating things because teams are getting more possessions on Memphis than they have in the past. It's like, a, you know, it's exacerbating the defensive issues because they're not able to clear the glass like they have in the past. Well, and and, you know, it doesn't give the a team that is struggling defensively needs time to uh, get back and set up its defense. They're not very, you know, like most teams are, are worse in transition defense uh, than they are uh, with the alternative. And so um, and so, you know, the fact that they don't hit very many of their threes and the fact that they don't really uh, rebound very many of their misses yeah, like it's it it, it all kind of goes together, and um, they got to get they do they do have to get that figured out. I mean, Penny has said it a couple of times this week, or, or since the loss at Tulane, that um, that that he's got a he's got a plan. He's going to go back to the drawing board. He's going to get it fixed, and and they're going. You know, he he, he I want to say on his coaching show, he even promised that uh, it would not continue, and so you know. Like as you wrote, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. He's yeah. he's he's kind of earned that. Like uh, his track record is that his teams get much much better as the season goes along. So, you know, if you're going to be better than an eleven and four, you know, if his, if if the trend continues and the Tigers are going to be better the second half of the season than they were in the first half when they were eleven and four, well, then you know, uh, that's pretty good. Now, I will say defensively, because I think he's going to have to fix, quote unquote, fix it or make sure it's better. I do think he's going to have to be a little more creative in the, than in the past, just because personnel wise, they're just not as long, both inside and on the perimeter than they were in the past. Um, and especially because it's very clear Penny does not trust KO. And so without Malcolm, you know, they they just aren't as long or as athletic as they have been in the past. And so I, I suspect we've seen in the last couple games, they've pressed a lot more than they have than they did at the beginning of the season. I think I would I would be mixing stuff up. I'd be pressing. I'd be doing my normal man to man where I'm switching everything. I'd be throwing in more zone. I'd be get, I think. But, you know, it, I, I defer to Penny um, ultimately. But I think I think my gut tells me he's going to have to get a little more creative than he has in the past in order to make sure this defense is up to par. But the good news is, again, you look through the AAC doesn't have a bunch of juggernaut offenses that you're going to have to deal with. Now, South Florida and Tulane weren't juggernaut offenses going into those games either. Um, and the fact is, this team is just not built to win shootouts. I know they have Kendrick Davis, but like. They're just not. And I thought this was kind of instructive, Jason. I'm curious what you think here. I was going through the net rating of all the players uh, via college basketball reference, what their net rating was for the season and what it was in these two conference games and conference play. And I thought this was interesting. So Kendrick Davis for the season has a net rating of plus 13.8. So that's your offensive and defensive efficiency ratings. Uh, you know, the 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 net, if you will, of it um, in the conference play, he's plus 21. So he's actually been better in these two games from a net rating standpoint than he was prior to that. DeAndre, this is an interesting one, had a team best a team best plus 22 net rating for the season right now. In the two conference games, however, 
minus 5.6 net rating. So they have not been good with him on the floor um, uh, during these two conference games. Um, and that's something that absolutely has to change. Alo, another player who has done better in these two conference games from a net rating standpoint than he did um, during the season at large. He's plus 7.6 for the season, plus 17.7 during these two conference games. Same goes for Jaden. Jaden Hardaway is a plus 12.2 in net rating in these two conference games, minus 0.7 for the season. Chandler Lawson, also much better. He's been, according to net rating, he's like the only guy, aside from Kendrick and Alo playing really well in these two conference games. He's plus 27.2 in net rating in these two conference games, plus 16.3 for the season. That's the third highest on the team. Um, but then you look at the rest of the roster. McCadden is a negative 3.9. Keontae Kenny, I don't know how this is possible. Minus 44 net rating in these two conference games. They have My been. goodness. And KO, minus 30.4 net rating in these two conference games. Demarie Franklin, minus 20.5 in the two conference games. Jonathan Lawson. In the one game he played in USF, minus fifty net rating. Um, Man. So you've got you've got basically four guys have played well, and then the rest of the roster has you know, and a couple of them like you know Kennedy, Franklin, Ko, Jonathan Lawson have really really played poorly in these conference games. By right. if you go well, by net rating, by right, the net right. rating is determined by like you know how the team does while they're on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. No, those are some pretty uh, illuminating stats, I would say. Uh, but it all but it, what it does, in my opinion, is it highlights the fact. And I mean, we've seen this like when you walk away, when you walked away from the South Florida game and the Tulane game, you felt like, you know, really uh, three, four players played well in each game. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there were five, maybe six, even six guys who scored in double figures against South Florida. But like. Uh, uh, you know, over the course of the entire game, it just didn't, it didn't, it didn't it, it, like the eye test. It, it didn't necessarily come across that way. And then certainly against Tulane, I mean, really, uh, you know, again, as far as the eye test goes, at least my eye test, Kendrick Davis and, um, and DeAndre were really the only two who made significant major impacts uh, uh, on the game. Um, everybody else, you know, either struggled somewhat or just didn't really play up to the level that they, you know, normally do. So, um, so no, that's, that's really interesting, but it's got to change. Like you can't, you know, Memphis is, we know Memphis is very top heavy, uh, with Kendrick Davis and Deandre Williams, but like, you know, you gotta get, you gotta get DeMarie Franklin and the, Keontae Kennedy's and those guys. To, they're not uh, deep enough for those guys to be non-factors. They're just not. Right, right. Um, exactly. And Penny has alluded to he's going to shorten the rotation maybe again. I think that's probably a smart move. Um, well, about that, I like I heard him say that, and I wondered in the moment, like, him? well, no, it's not that I don't believe him, but like in that two-lane game, you know how many guys played? How many? Eight. How, would you? How many would you guess? Eight, nine. Nine played, and the ninth guy was KO, and he played two and a half minutes. So, gotcha. like, how how much shorter 
can you get than eight guys? Um, would be my question. Uh, like it seemed like the the rotation was plenty short enough in the uh, in the two lane game, but and especially when if and when Malcolm Dandridge comes back, uh, that's only going to make the rotation uh, longer. So um, it'd be interesting to see how you know what he meant by that and how it's gonna how it's gonna play out on the floor. Well, it's gonna be fascinating. They play ECU at home Saturday, and then four of their next six games, I believe to close the month of January will be on the road again, including a week from yesterday. We're recording this on a, or no, a week from today. We're recording this on a Wednesday at UCF, which, and UCF by the metrics appears to be the third best team in the league. Um, And that feels like it's a, I'm not saying it's a must win or anything, but certainly if you want, if you're thinking about this in terms of what's going to erase that taste in your mouth from the two lane game, it's winning at UCF, I think, right? Or winning, I should say this, winning both those road games at UCF, at Temple, back-to-back. I think if you do that, you you know, if you can go 3-0 and in this next little stretch, I think it certainly erases away a lot of the concerns people have right now. Well, I mean, forget the metrics with UCF. I mean, all you got to do is <laughs> look at, uh, number one, their record, but number two, I mean, they had Houston on the ropes in Houston mm-hmm. with like less than a minute to go. They they ended up losing by six, but it was mm-hmm. a much closer game than that. Like they were very close to knocking off a top three team in the country on their own floor. Uh, they look like right week. now a potential bubble team for the tournament. Like they, yeah. they look like yeah. a potential NCAA tournament team if you base it off what they've done so far this season. So that, so that, you know, like if they, if they keep playing well, um, but Memphis is able to get a win down there in Orlando next week, that could very easily turn into a, I mean, like that might be a quad one game by the yeah. time. It's I mean, I think, I think as of right now, if you go by Ken Palm, um, Ken Palm has that Memphis losing that game, uh, right. on the road, um, right. at UCF. Not going to be easy. Yeah. It's the only game the rest of the way and obviously the Tulane game showed us these predict these met you know predictions based on metrics aren't the end all be all but it's the only other game besides the two Houston games Ken Palm predicts Memphis losing the rest of the way um that's easier said than done and as i pointed out in my calm even the year the year Houston went to the final four a couple years ago they lost at Tulsa and at ECU two teams by the way that were much worse metrically than Tulane is right now Um, so it just, it, it's, they are going to lose a couple games, but I, I will say now that they've dropped one early, if they lose, if they lose to UCF, um, it's going to, it's really going to, you know, we talked about the narrowing the margin for error. That's going to make it, you know, that's going to make it even smaller. Um, cause you want to, that's like, that's the type of game. It's one of the few games in the league that feels like it might be able to help you a little bit, you know, in terms yep. of your resume and you really don't want to let those go to waste. Then again, it's on the road against a pretty decent team. And if this team doesn't clean up what it's done defensively lately, they won't beat UCF a week from now. No, I agree. I mean, like if it, it, a loss next week in Orlando, unless UCF after beating Memphis, you know, next week, uh, just tanks, just absolutely tanks. It's not going to, you know, it's certainly going to put you on a little bit of a tightrope the rest of the way. And it's awfully early to be walking the tightrope this tightrope this mm-hmm. long. But uh, 
I don't think that game is either going to make or break you. But the flip side of that is a win down there, especially if UCF keeps up, you know, keeps its net rating up and keeps its um, good standing and, and, Mm -hmm. and bubble status keeps it up the rest of the way. Well, then it could, I mean, like, tell me if I'm wrong. Like it, it could maybe even, cancel out the loss against Tulane to a certain extent. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they lost at Tulane, but then they went down the next week and beat UCF at UCF. So it kind of is a wash a little bit. That'd be how I would look at it. Well, and here's the truth. Right now, Memphis is one and one in quad one games, two and three in quad two games, and eight and oh in quad three and quad four games. My feeling is if they can be 500 or better in quad one slash quad two games, and they're undefeated in quad three, quad four games, they're not even going to be sweating on selection, not even close to sweating on selection Sunday. That's my feel. I feel, I feel, I feel uh, a lot like that as well, but you know, I will, I mean, like all that, all that. You just, you just don't want to suffer those. It's the bad losses that kill you more than anything. And as of right now, as bad as that Tulane loss felt in the moment to people, that's not a bad loss yet. Like losing to USF at home, losing to ECU at home, losing to Tulsa this year, frankly, losing to SMU, those are bad losses. Um, I think UCF, um, Cincinnati, you know, I don't think you want to lose. You don't, you certainly don't want to lose those games, but those aren't going to kill you as long as like, it's just one, uh, you know, as long as it's like, you know, maybe you lose at Cincinnati or at UCF, but you win the other, um, things like that. Um, now that being said, I think if you want a better seed, if that's the goal, if you want to be a five seed, a six seed. I think you got to go 15 and three or 14 and four in league play. And the two lane loss narrowed your margin for error in that regard. Um, but I still think I, without question, I am, I am still of the belief and, and until I see something differently, that loss to Tulane did not change my mind that I think this team can go 14 and four, 15 and three in league play and definitively be the second best team in the AAC. I, I have not, I think that is still possible for this team, even after taking an early setback in conference play. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's where I'm at. Uh, they're old, they're long. They got a great point guard and that's, that's, that, that can really carry a long way, but going back to what we were saying before, you cannot, you can I don't, I don't believe this is my belief. You can't lose at home to anybody other than Houston. If you're going to lose at home, the only one you can lose and still not be sweating on selection Sunday is Houston. So yeah. Yeah. Like that, those are the bad losses that you were talking about. Like bad losses come at home and uh, really at this stage, no matter who they're to, I mean, you know, uh, again, we'll see how, we'll see how things play out with UCF the rest of the way. But uh, as we sit here today, I think the only one you can stomach and still be in okay shape on selection Sunday is Houston at home. All right, well, we'll have tons of coverage over at CommercialAppeal.com of everything playing out now that this season is really heating up and conference play is here. Make sure you're checking out all of Jason's work, my work there. Uh, We will have coverage from Saturday's game against ECU, of course, at FedEx Forum, early tip, 1 p.m. So till next time, probably uh, after that UCF game next week, uh, I was Mark. 
That was Jason. Thanks so much for joining us, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll see you out at FedEx Forum this weekend. The Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.